And what a pleasure it is to be in the house of the Lord on this Good Friday. Many times in the Gospels, we read about Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah in different ways. And the Jewish high priests and the Sanhedrin tried really hard to trap Jesus in every way that they could. They wanted him to be put to death because they accused him of blasphemy, a punishable and a very serious crime. They didn't believe that he indeed was the Son of God, that he indeed was the Messiah. They were expecting something else. And the same crowds that welcomed him into Jerusalem, the same crowd that lay down palm branches, that shouted Hosanna, was the same crowd that stood before him and yelled, crucify him, crucify him. You see, Jesus suffered a humble death. He was pierced, he was crushed, but we thank him for the cross. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, and we will look at verses 32 to 54. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32 to 54. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, where they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. They had crucified, when they, sorry, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when he had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. 
At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Let us pray. Father, on this Good Friday, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the truths that we can learn from you. And indeed, Lord, we pray that you would focus our minds and hearts on you, that you would help us to open up ourselves to what you have to say to us today, and may you help us to be obedient in responding to your spirit. We now commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. When a criminal had been condemned, he was led to crucifixion. It was custom that he should carry the crossbeam of his own cross because the upright was already waiting at the place of execution. The charge on which the person was being executed was written on a board and then was either hung around the person's neck or carried by an officer in front of the procession and it was later affixed to the cross itself. The criminal was led to the place of execution by the longest route possible so that many people and as many people as possible could see this and take warning. Jesus had undergone a terrible beating. After he had undergone the mockery of the soldiers, and before that he had been under examination for most of the night, and therefore he was physically exhausted and staggering under the cross. The Roman soldiers knew that under such circumstances, Palestine was, was an occupied country. So a Roman officer could just tap a Jew on the shoulder and force him to carry or the cross or to carry out any task that was laid upon him. And so we read about Simon, a man from Cyrene, who was forced to carry Jesus' cross and help him to the place of crucifixion because he was far too weak to do it. The place of crucifixion was a place called Golgotha, the place where the criminal had been fastened to the cross. Jesus was treated like a criminal. Although he had done nothing wrong, he was mocked, he was insulted, and he was treated like a criminal. The nails had to be driven in, usually through the wrists, but it was also common that they were put on the feet and the feet were loosely bound. Jesus was fastened to the cross. You know, everybody loves a good love story. You think about the movies, you think about songs, you think about stories or TV shows, and almost all the time, there's some sort of love story in it. There's some sort of love story that happens. Why? Because we connect with that. Because deep down, each of us has a longing and a desire to feel loved. We need it, we want it, we have to have it. 
And God has given us that love. He created us in such a way so that we could have a relationship with him to fill that void. And by Jesus going to the cross, not only does he say, I love you, but he shows us, he shows us in the best possible way how much he truly loves us. And we can search for love in so many different ways. We can search for love in so many different people and in so many different things. But it is only truly when we recognize the sacrifice that was made on the cross that we understand what true love really looks like. I don't know about you, but it's, it doesn't mean as much if someone just keeps telling me they love me and not showing me that they love me. Jesus not only says, I love you, but he says, look, look to the cross and see how much I truly love you. Look at the cross, for that is the symbol of what true love is, is that sacrifice that was made. You see, many people taunted Jesus. They hurled insults at him. They said, if you are the son of God, come down. Save yourself if you are the son of God. And it is precisely because he loved us that he did not come down from that cross. It's because he loves us so much that he stayed on the cross. He could have come down. He could have at any moment called everything off and come down, but he didn't because he loves us. You see, we will never fully understand in this lifetime how much God truly loves us. We will never fully be able to comprehend how big and how wide and how deep and so high the love of God is. But he says, I want you to know that I love you, and my love covers it all. It covers it all. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 says, I am convinced, the Apostle Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, not height, not depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in this life, there is nothing after this life that can separate us when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. There is nothing, nothing, nothing. We are safe in the arms of Jesus because he loves us and he holds us close. And we wonder why a holy God why an everlasting God, why a God that is so big and so amazing would love you and would love me. As the song says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love us, a sinner condemned unclean. It doesn't make sense. We have nothing to offer him. We have nothing that he needs except our love, except our life. He wants us, he loves us, and he desires to have a relationship with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, to us who understand the sacrifice, to 
us who have accepted that sacrifice, to us who have been changed by the cross, it is the power of God. It doesn't make sense, but it is the power of God. The fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would take our place, that he would step down from his glory, that he would step down out of heaven, and he would say, this is how much I love you. It was Jesus' love for us that kept him to the cross. If it wasn't the nails, what else kept him to the cross? Well, I believe another thing that kept him to the cross was his forgiveness towards us. His forgiveness towards us and his desire to want to forgive us. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 reminds us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we have all messed up. We have all sinned, whether big or small, whether recently or a long time ago, whenever it was, we have all sinned. None of us is perfect. And when we measure ourselves against a holy God, we always stand unclean. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So our sinfulness in our transgression, in our iniquities, equals death. It equals eternal punishment. But you see, in his grace and in his mercy, God knew that we couldn't pay the price for our sins that was owed. And so he prepared a spotless lamb. He prepared a sacrifice for our place. He prepared that so that we could experience what it means to truly be forgiven. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. By nailing it to the cross, he paid the debt that we owed. A debt that we couldn't afford. A debt that was far too high for us to ever be able to pay in this life. But Jesus said, I'm paying it. Jesus paid it all at the cross. He knew we couldn't afford it, and so he stayed on that cross so that we could experience true forgiveness. And the beautiful thing is that he did nothing to deserve the cross. He did nothing to endure the pain, but he did that for you, and he did that for me. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity, and the punishment that was upon him brought us peace, and by his wounds, we are healed. By the punishment that he endured, we can be healed, we can be forgiven, we can be accepted into his presence. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the only thing that we need to do in order to accept him is to confess that he is Savior and Lord. To confess him, to believe and to confess him. That is the only thing. People will say, well, it can't be that easy. I have to be able to do something. There must be rituals. There must be things that I need to do. God says 
that it is by grace that we are saved, not by works so that no one can boast. It is truly by grace. There is nothing that you and I can do that will make God love us more or make him love us less. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation, but it is a free gift from God, and it is because of the cross that we have salvation. It is all because of the cross. And Jesus says, my blood covers a multitude of sins. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't even matter what you've done, where you've been, the type of life that you've lived. He says, come to the cross because the cross is what changes my blood is what covers you. My cleansing blood, there is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can wash us white as snow. There is nothing that we can have that will offer forgiveness, that will offer eternal life. And he says, come, come. The song that was sung earlier, there's a beautiful part in it when it talks about our sin. You see, when the devil reminds us of our past, when he reminds us of our failures, when he reminds us of how unworthy we are, then we can remind him that there's a place where sin and shame are powerless. There is a place. There is a place where we can have peace with God and forgiveness. And that is at the cross. At the cross is where we find it. Jesus is merciful. He is gracious and compassionate. And in Psalm 103, it talks about the fact that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Listen to this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise God that when he forgives, it is gone. When he forgives, he forgets. When he forgives, he wipes our slate clean and we are a new creation in him. Praise God for the forgiveness that only can be offered by Jesus Christ. Praise God that it is his forgiveness towards us that kept him on the cross. What else was it that kept Jesus on the cross if it wasn't the nails? Well, I believe it was his anticipation to spend eternity with us. It was his love, it was his forgiveness, but it also was his anticipation to spend eternity with us. You see, it is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we can have the assurance of eternal life after death. And because of that, you and I can be restored to God. You and I can have fellowship. We have direct access to God. It says in verse 51 of the passage in Matthew that we just read, it says, at that moment, 
when he bowed his head and willingly gave up his spirit, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. If you understand what that is, it was separating the holy of holies where the presence of God dwell between the, the holy place. And not just anyone could enter, but it was very specific who could enter once a year, all the rituals they needed to go in, in order to enter into that holy of holies. But because of what Jesus did, that curtain tore down and he said, it's finished. You have direct access to God. You can pray to him. You can come to him. He hears you. It is through me that you have that access to God in no one else. Salvation is found in no other name. No one else, no other name under heaven is given by which we must be saved. It is only in Jesus Christ. Jesus' anticipation to spend eternity with us. Jesus came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came so that we could enjoy the life that he has come to give us. And we don't have to worry about sin being our master. We don't have to worry about being slaves to sin because Jesus made a way for Satan to be defeated. He has defeated him. A father and a son were driving one day on a summer day. The windows were down because it was hot and all of a sudden a bee flew in the window. Now the son not only being scared of bees, but also being deadly allergic to them, started panicking and freaking out, screaming and yelling. The father pulled over to the side of the road, and, and in the frantic and in, in the commotion, he, he reached out and he grabbed the bee. The son took a deep breath and was able to calm down knowing that the bee would not be able to harm him. All of a sudden, after a moment, the father opened his hand and the bee flew out again. Once again, there was panic and there was commotion and, and the son was just so afraid. His father calmed him down and said, there's no need to be afraid. Look, in the palm of his father's hand was the bee stinger. He had taken the sting so that his son would not have to be afraid, so that his son would not have to worry about the bee stinging him. You see, Jesus says, look at my hands. I have taken the penalty of death. I have taken the sting of death so you no longer have to be afraid, so you no longer have to let sin be your master. And as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Jesus has taken the full sting of death. He has taken it so that we do not have to suffer. You see, when Satan buzzes around and reminds us of all of these things and fills our head with everything, you remind him that my God has taken that sting of death. He has taken it away. He is the living one and he holds the keys of death. He holds it all because he accomplished that on the grave. Good Friday is a day on which we reflect on the events of the cross. 
During the days of Jesus, the cross was a symbol of shame and embarrassment, a symbol of warning and terror. The Roman Empire used the cross as means of execution. The cross was only reserved for slaves, robbers, assassins, and rebels. As a general rule, Roman citizens wouldn't be executed on a cross because it was just such too shameful a way to die. Today, we look to the cross, and it is no longer an emblem of suffering and shame, but it is a reminder of the hope that we have in Christ, a hope that we have in Jesus, a hope for forgiveness, a hope that there is a God who loves us, a hope that there is an eternal destination waiting for us after this life is over. Christ's sacrifice opened up that door for us. We can look to the cross and know that it is a symbol of hope. You see, Jesus died for all, not just for some, but for everyone. Everyone has an opportunity to accept him. Those who yelled crucify him just as much as those who welcomed him into Jerusalem and shouted out Hosanna. And you and I have that same opportunity. Would you give up your child, especially your one and only child, to save someone else? I know I wouldn't. It would be a very difficult sacrifice to make. But God sent his one and only son so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven. And this is the reason for the cross. For God so loved the world all of us, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you accepted that free gift of salvation because you are part of the world? You are the reason that he stayed on that cross. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord, we will never fully understand the price that you paid. But we thank you, O oh God, that you paid that ultimate price, a price that we could never afford. We thank you that your love, that your forgiveness, that your mercy and your grace knows no measure, knows no bounds. And we thank you, O oh God, for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you for the relationship that we can have with you. We thank you for the abundant life that you died to give us. And we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful eternal future that you have promised to each one of us. And so, God, may you help us to search our hearts. May you help us, God, to fully commit anew and afresh our lives and our hearts to you. And we thank you, O oh God, for the cross. And so, Lord, may you just be honored and glorified in our lives, in everything that is said and done. We give you, Lord, the highest praise, for you alone are worthy. In the powerful name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.